0: Well, I hope you've been um, enjoying our series in Genesis. I appreciate the, the worship songs pointing toward Christmas, pointing toward Jesus and the birth of our savior. And the series kind of that I've been going through kind of gives certainly the background, the whole reason that Jesus had to come. Um, and just like I mentioned last time, uh, our COVID vaccine that we celebrate, it uh, uh, is profound and significant that they came up with the vaccine just in a year and a half, given the devastation that uh, the pandemic has done. So th- kind of the same thing. Today's message is going to be talking about um, how evil spread throughout the world that's even present here today. And we're going to look at. We've looked at uh, our spiritual parents back in the Garden of Eden, uh, kind of how it was supposed to be—a picture of of what uh, oneness and and community was supposed to be all about. We covered that we were wonderfully and fearfully made. We covered some big questions such as, "Who am I? What am I here for?" Um, we talked about our spiritual parents, how they had uh, oneness possessed, oneness lost. And we talked about reconciliation last time. I hope that was an encouraging message for you. I know it was for me. I was going to go straight into today's message, kind of the spread of evil and, uh, and all. But uh, the God gave me that word between the chapters of something happened, something changed with Adam and Eve where they seem to have reconciled. And then uh, in chapter 4, today we're going to be talking about, I, I could have titled this message, and then they had children. <laughs> uh, Cain and Abel, they're allowed to choose. And if we think about Cain and Abel, it's very interesting, of all the passages and things that you could study in the Bible, we got Cain, we got Abel. One did right, one did wrong. So let's take a look. It's a... Uh, a uh, kind of a microcosm of what's going on in the world today, what's going on inside our heart. Every generation, our generation, every generation, gives, God gives us a chance to choose ever since Adam and Eve. Uh, I know when I was uh the ages of Gary's kids, you know, I'd ask those questions, you know, who am I? What am I made here for? Um, what's this... You know, baby Jesus about, you know, is this uh, uh, like the men in black? Are we, is our universe really just, uh, you know, a joke of an alien somewhere? You know, our galaxy upon another galaxy? So these uh, meditations, um, I'm hoping to give some context to the things that we do in church. The reason why we do what we do. So uh, God's way, we looked at that uh, God gave us the hope and the way of oneness where we could be naked and unashamed, that is to be authentic in community, to know and be known, to love and be loved. I think that's the, the goal in life. That's the goal in life. I believe the, truly believe the world hungers for community, and it's uh, very exciting um, and fulfilling to basically serve up a meal every Sunday uh, to a hungry world. Um, By the way, if you want to go back and listen to a message, it's on YouTube. You could just uh, look up Pastor Curtis Yee and something will come up. Um, It's under Zoe Life Ministries, and I was thinking of renaming that uh, this morning. Uh, Maybe just call it Food for the Soul. Food for the Soul. So if you find a message or a passage that was encouraging to you that you want to share that with someone as if you were to give them a meal to nourish them, you can share that video. You could share that message with them. Food for the soul. All right, let's get into it today. We are talking about chapter four. So Cain, Adam and Eve uh, reconciled. They uh, uh, made up, so to speak, and they were allowed grace. They were allowed to start a family and uh, raise their children. And here is Cain. He's allowed to do what's right. Um, Cain uh, uh, was a farmer, and Abel raised cattle and uh, 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 herds and things like that. And so there was a time that God uh, asked them, I don't know if he asked them, but there was a time that Cain and Abel uh, brought up a a sacrifice, an offering to God, to worship God. And uh, Abel took the fatty portions of the uh, um, um, sacrificial uh, animals and offered that, a burnt offering to God. And Cain brought some fruits and vegetables, basically. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we don't really see up to that point of what God required. Certainly later on in Leviticus and things like that, there's all these rules of sacrifices that God gave to the uh, Israelites. But it's interesting here. Um, I always kind of thought, you know, in the back of my mind, these Bible stories of Adam and Eve right? Like uh, the pictures on the wall, we might have them naked with a fig leaf and this little tiny garden around the tree. But we realized last time, as we took a closer look, uh, the Garden of Eden was actually very huge, right? So he took a big effort to find that tree of knowledge. They took a big effort to uh, go against what God commanded. But looking back on uh, Cain and Abel, I always kind of thought when I read that verse, if you want to look in your Bible there, um, it says, uh, God approved of Abel's sacrifice and disapproved of Cain's. And I always kind of reacted to that um, and thought back, well, I would be kind of upset as well, wouldn't you, right? (laughs) Wouldn't you be disappointed as well? But if we read closer, verse 7, God gives Cain the opportunity to do what is right and in fact Cain did what was wrong that's why his offering was not accepted so it reads if you do what is right will you not be accepted but if you do do not do what is right sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you but you must rule over it so god was god allowed gave uh, Cain the opportunity to do what's right. In fact, counseled him of what was required. But he warned him and counseled him but if you don't do what is right, sin's crouching at your door. But you, gotta, you have to rule over it not let it master you, that temptation. Again, the tempter, the serpent, a couple chapters ago, is again present. Not in bodily form, but on, that, on the shoulder of uh, uh, Cain of uh, doing what is wrong. So let's take a look a little deeper inside of Cain's heart. Let's look at his response. This slide is called Cain's Broken Response. God says, Why are you angry? And why are your eyes downcast? And it, the text says he was very angry. And very, uh, you know, the Bible, this is Hebrew language translated translated into English. And very doesn't sound very significant, does it? Very angry. But the Hebrew word actually says exceedingly angry. That is a little more explanatory. Cain was exceedingly angry at God's response, apparently choosing Abel over him, right? Apparently favoring Abel over him, this burned very deep in the heart of Cain. So, verse 8, Cain commits premeditated murder. He hatches a plan to kill his brother. So, obviously, Cain was operating from a half-empty, a scarcity mentality. When God discovered um, what was happening... You know, the text says, if you read commentaries, it's not that God was ignorant of what happened, right? What, wh- where is your brother? Like, God doesn't know where Abel is. But he's giving an opportunity for Cain to fess up and be honest. And honesty is not what he said. He said, I don't know. <laughs> so there's another outright lie to, remember Adam and Eve? Remember where dust? That was a huge offense. Again, their namesake is the ground. They're just they're the created beings. And his uh, response to God is, "I don't know where he is. Am I my brother's keeper? Wow, huge offense. What is a? The text says a keeper. What is a keeper? It's a caregiver, a provider. He was." Obviously, the opposite of a big brother. In fact, how do we know? I always thought that uh, maybe they just went into the field. They had an argument. Cain confronted Abel, right? Things escalated out of control. We could think of things that way. But in fact, the text says when he killed uh, his brother, It means to put to death, right? So it is more clear that, no, they just didn't have a confrontation. Things didn't boil over. Things boiled over in Cain's heart. He was very exceedingly angry, and he listened to the lies, maybe, of Satan, right? That you were less than, uh, your self-esteem took a big hit, but... God explained, if you do the right thing, will you not be accepted? So, Cain's mind spun out of control. His response spun out of control. He was a broken kid. In fact, we could look at his backstory. Cain's backstory. Any of you guys seen the, the, uh, the, the play Wicked? Anybody? A couple, several of you, yeah, yeah. Wicked, the Wizard of Oz story. It's the backstory of the Wicked Witch of the West, is it? I forgot, East-West, right? We always think the the Wicked Witch and Dorothy. In fact, it's the backstory of what made the Wicked Witch so wicked, right? So here's Cain's backstory, He gave a broken response from a broken heart. He was very exceedingly angry. He was downcast. What were the causes of this? If we were to do a a wicked story, a play on Cain, maybe uh, maybe there's a play out there. Backstory of Cain, right? Wicked. The Christian version of wicked. What was his response? Where did this all come from? Well, if we were to counsel and look into Cain's backstory, was it possibly his parents? He was the child of an imperfect marriage, wasn't he? That's true. You know, it doesn't really say, but it, that is true. Did Cain, uh, uh, Adam and Eve, were they the perfect parents? No, this is after the fall. Do you think... Uh, Adam was the perfect father? Think about this. Before they had oneness possessed, oneness lost, then he, had to, then he had to work from the ground <laughs> for his food. Every, every day of his life, for the rest of his life. Do you think he came home happy and joyful from working the ground? Right? So this was post Temptation post uh, the the fall, that they have knowledge of good and evil. So Cain was the product of an imperfect family. He was a fractional person. Cain's broken response led to a 5150, imminent harm to himself or someone else. That's a police code for a 5150. If you're going to be suicidal, Things are just boiled to a point that you're going to be imminent harm to yourself or you're going to lash out to someone else. This was Cain's response. He was a fractional youth. He operated from a scarcity mentality, obviously. He listened to the lies of Satan. See, the truth was will you not be accepted if you do the right thing? But he heard the lie. He heard the lie from Satan. And he was exceedingly angry at Abel's apparent favoritism. As as I was reading this, there must have been some favoritism in Cain's upbringing. There must have been. Because when God apparently favored Abel's, it tore a wound from Cain that it was just insurmountable that it created the first Columbine kid, right? Put some reality to what happened here. That's what happens when kids go off the deep end. Things get mixed up in their mind an offense turns into this huge thing that they don't know what to do. They are 5150. They're gonna eminent harm to themselves or they just can't think of any way out from the pain, right? and you have to eliminate the pain, and that's the plan that Cain hatched. I have to get rid of the object of this pain, and that was Abel. He took him out to the field, and he put him to death. Now, I could go on a a, a rabbit trail of favoritism. Um, Pastor Curtis, is that a reach? Are you really reading into this? Well, think of another family that had favoritism in the Bible. Joseph and the multicolored coat. The youngest, right? Same thing. Same thing happened. And his other brothers were what? <laughs> Jealous. What was their plan? Their plan was exactly the same as Cain. Their plan was to kill him. They took him out. They let him out. And then I I believe some other brothers said, advocated, no, no, we we can't do that. You know, it was like Merck. It was like 5150 by committee. It's like, we can't kill him. Let's just sell him off as a slave. And what they meant for evil, God turned into good. It's exactly what happened with Cain and the first family. So I forgot what I titled this message. I could give today's title many, many things. Good and evil, what is man's choice? What is God's response? What is man's choice? What are people's choices? What is God's response? So this is kind of what we're going to look at in the text. What is God's response? The hashtags are parallel. So God's response is parallel to Adam and Eve's, There was real consequences to Adam and Eve, yet God gave grace, gave them an opportunity to live and and make choices for the rest of their lives, even though it was limited. So God banished Cain from the land that the, the fruit of the soil will not produce its fruit for him. And then Cain lamented that you know, I'm going to be a wanderer and the people are going to kill me. And so God said, no, it's not going to be so. I'm going to put a mark on you. Nobody's going to kill you. And it's interesting, right? You read on. What happened to Cain? Have you guys been reading ahead? What happened to Cain? He got married. <laughs> he got married. He had children. He was successful. He built a city named after one of his children, Enoch. How did that happen? Wow. So God, again, gives grace, the opportunity for every person. That's our take home. God gives every person the opportunity to follow God and do the right thing. And he did so with Cain as well. Although, if you continue reading with Cain's uh, line, um, he didn't produce such great kids either. <laughs> um, and it's a, kind of the story of these genealogies that the opportunity for sin just kind of expands exponentially. And in fact, the age of evil spreads. And I pose the question, how many murders ensued from Cain, the first murder. God's reaction was very similar. It's kind of a pattern. And so that's at this vantage point of my life. I'm kind of looking on scriptures and everything that I've read and studied and experienced in church. God's reaction is kind of similar. And it gives context to what is this baby Jesus all about. All right? God's reaction is similar. God has righteous indignation, righteous anger, right? At the offense, the sin. He imparts justice. There there are consequences to uh, our choices. Just like the prodigal son. When all his money was gone, he got so destitute, he was homeless, eating pig slop, basically. There are consequences to his uh, choices. But then there was there's grace, there's second chances. But then again, after our second chances, mankind's capacity for evil is kind of mind blowing. And in chapter five, it just shows Adam's genealogy. And it leads up to Noah. And I'm going to show you a clip of a movie from The Fifth Element. Bruce Willis and uh, he was an action star back in the day, right? The Fifth Element. Um, Some doom was going to happen on the earth and these spiritual beings were protectors of the earth and it needed all five elements to protect the earth. Water, earth, wind, and fire. All right, and water, earth, wind and fire, and the fifth element was Lilu, this innocent being, a type of the baby Jesus. God in human form, a type of spiritual being in human form was the fifth element. And Lilu came into the movie as this very innocent being, a very naive being about the evilness of mankind. And at one point, uh, she got sat down in front of a computer and just absorbed everything about the earth. You know, okay, I'm supposed to protect the earth. What's the earth all about? And she types in war. She types in war. So here's the scene. From Adam to Noah these genealogies occur and we ask the question, why won't God do something? We look at humans' response, having the knowledge of good and evil. and Evil spreads. And they're just not words on a page here. I should have warned you that there were, would be graphic images of the cruelty of humankind in chapter 6 verse 3 the lord says my spirit will not contend with humans forever they will be 120 years so god limits not only adam and eve's life right out of uh, the garden of Eden, eden that they will not live forever but god says 120 years used to be 400, 600, 900. And God says, okay, 120 years. Chapter six, verse five. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe them from the face of the earth. God's intervention. God's interventions on human choices. God makes Adam's race mortal. God allows grace after the failings, allows them to prosper, prosper and multiply. Evil multiplies with humanity, in fact overtakes good up to chapter 6. God limits their years to 120. And it's interesting, isn't it? No matter what perspective you come to Christianity, no matter what religion you come to, Christianity, whether you're an atheist or not. Do you know many people that live past 120 years old? <laughs> if you Google it, uh, I did a quick uh, search of that, and they're like, nobody under over 130, that's for sure. 120, 123, 125. Some claim longer, and then it's disputed, and then they're not really Sure. 120, interesting, isn't it? So I'm just kind of amazed by uh, digging into Genesis, the truths that are contained within there about us, human race, and all those that would come to uh, wonder and choose, you know, is there accountability after this life? Is there accountability for my life? To an all empowering, all encompassing God that is moral and good, who is the judge of our souls. God limits their years to 120, and He starts over by sending the flood, and He starts over with Noah. So God finally does something. God intervenes, wipes out <laughs> the whole creation. It almost starts over with five, ten people in Noah's line, and then Noah's line. They repopulate the earth. You read in the ensuing chapters. They had he had three sons, Shem and et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, this is where we believe the different nations and peoples came from is actually. Uh, Noah's line but Noah's line was allowed to repopulate the earth and again they were allowed to uh, live and prosper and guess what happens guess what happens again gives context to what's going to happen next week why a baby Jesus why do we what are we celebrating this is the reason because Humans in every generation are given the opportunity to follow God, follow good, propagate good, or propagate evil. What happens with Noah's, after Noah's line? I think it's chapter 11. I think it's chapter 11. The text says, and they had all one common language and they decided to, let's, uh, they created uh, technology. You know what it was? Technological advance in chapter 11. They created the internet. (laughs) They created something as amazing as it it is today. They created the brick. They created the brick. Before that, they quarried stones where there were stones. With a pickaxe and all that stuff. They built structures out of stone that was already there, and they had to chisel it down and drag it uh, from wherever it was. Uh, They could only build structures where there was stone. But with the brick, they put mud, sand together, and they bake it, and they could transport that brick wherever they wanted to. And they could build whatever they wanted. They basically made a Lego, right? They basically made a Lego. And what did they do? With all one common language, they said, let us create a, a, a structure that reaches toward the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. And that's what's called the Tower of Babel. And God came down and saw that, wow when humans put their minds together, the Lord says, there's, then there's nothing that they cannot accomplish. All from a brick and attitude. Because <laughs> man said, let's build this structure and make a name for ourselves into the heavens. Again, uh, Offending the creator, the creation wants to be like gods. And what do we hear today in different religions? You could be like you could be gods yourself, right? Don't we hear that in other religions? You could be demigods, you could be little gods. After this life, you could be this god and that god. Well, here's a picture of what the Tower of Babel supposedly looked like from the text, and it's interesting aren't there here's here's the Tower of Babel two depictions on the left a circular staircase reaching up to the heavens doesn't it look eerily similar to the structures and edifices that mankind builds today the Roman Colosseum the Taj Mahal the Great Wall of China I think that's Machu Picchu these are the seven wonders of the world interesting huh So with Noah's line, you know, it's interesting. God created us humans a little lower than the angels, and we try to act it over time. We try to rule over those things that we rule over. God looks at them with a common language. It says, wow, if they are able to do this, there's nothing that they will not be capable of. So God confuses their language. Think about it. What has man been able to do? We have been able to build weapons? If you look in the history, I don't know, the history of war, history of technology, you know, uh, then humankind learned how to make metal, the Bronze Age, you know? Technology moved on, and then we created what? The Industrial Revolution, and then the Information Revolution, all the way up to, take a look at this. It's a little bit long, but I'm going to read the Tower of Babel, what they said, so it's not so long. Look what mankind has been able to do. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech and as people moved eastward they found a plain in Shinar and settled there and they said to each other, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stones and tar for mortar and they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. let us make a tower that reaches to the heavens so we make make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that they were building. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then there is nothing that they plan to do that will be impossible for them to do. Let us go down and scatter their language. Isn't it incredible? We're able to reach into the heavens just like they did into the Tower of Babel. Literally. Literally. So that we can make a name for ourselves. So wrapping up. There's good and evil, and God's response, there's kind of a pattern of his response. He has righteous anger, imparting justice, allowing grace and compassion, and second chances. Every generation gets a lifetime to choose. And God's solution in the calling of Abram, Abraham, that his line would bless the world And it points to the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. Application. How many times do we fail? God has righteous anger. We know it grieves the Holy Spirit when we choose evil over good. God allows the consequences and imparts justice like the prodigal son. And he has grace and compassion the father runs to the child who is lost, but is now found. God imparts justice, but there's grace and compassion. And God gives second chances. Every generation gives a second chance, a lifetime to choose. Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, the prodigal son, and then us today he realizes, the prodigal son realizes his sin nature and its consequences, and he goes back and he repents and he's humble. God's solution is not to take him back as a slave, but provides the sacrificial lamb, grace and forgiveness, pain for the transgression himself with his only begotten son. The prodigal repents, Adam and Eve appeared to repent, as we read in the story. They make babies. Cain, the first murderer, marries and makes babies. The prodigal son repents. And so every generation is given the opportunity. Will we choose good or evil? Romans three twenty three says, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Will we choose God's free gift, the solution of Him paying for our sins? Will we humble ourselves and realize that God's that God's presence, that in God's presence all are sinners. We are in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God. So, what do we do with our sin? What do we do with our sin nature? I believe three things. Number one, we need to humble ourselves, confess our sins. Number two, trust and believe that God will save us from our sins. And then three, repent and then follow God. Take off our old self, our sin nature, and put on God's nature, God's Holy Spirit, that is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So let's pray. God, we um, we thank you for the lessons that you give us in uh, the original family in the beginning in the book of Genesis. It's so instructive for our life today and gives perspective on about who are we, what are we here for, and why do we behave and are tempted the way we do. God, you have shown in your word that there's a path forward um, if we humble ourselves before you and realize that you are a holy, holy God, set apart, and we stand before you, and we can only stand because of your grace. We thank you that your response to our sin, God, is our sin nature, is being slow to anger and abounding in love, and that, God, you have provided the solution to pay for the penalty of our sin nature yourself in giving your only son, that we celebrate this Christmas season. God, finally, we need to repent and turn and strain as an athlete does toward that prize, God, where after this life, God, you will make us in the the process of making us holy in this life, and you'll bring that to completion and fullness when we're done with this life. So God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that imbues us with love and joy and peace. So these things that we, this holiday season, we hope and pray for God, not only that your kingdom would come in our lives, but in our significant circle of friends and family, that your love and joy and peace would come into the world somehow. So God as we uh, gather today we gather weekly at this church may we faithfully serve up meals that are nur- nourishing God that are life-giving God for those that all those that would here that are hungry that God we would certainly give food for the soul and help us to be always to be ready to give an account of the hope that is within us In your son's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. All right.